Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Grant Baldwin here. Good to have you here with us today. We are on episode 82, talking with a good speaker friend of mine. We're going to get into that in just a second. But let me quickly remind you, if you haven't already, you're definitely going to want to join us on an upcoming free online training or webinar teaching you all about how to find and book speaking engagement. So we have these webinars on a just about weekly basis. You can go to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com, where we teach you all about how to find and book speaking engagements, paid speaking engagements as well. So definitely check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. Register for that. All right. So today we're talking with my good friend, Harriet Turk. Whenever I first started speaking, Harriet was someone that I met. I've learned a lot from, uh, have a great admiration and respect for. She's been in the game for a long time. She's learned a lot of, she, she knows her stuff. So uh, excited to, uh, to share this conversation, this journey with you today, all about how she got into it, how she built the business and how she continues to uh, build and grow her speaking business today. So let's get into it. Here's my chit chat conversation, my chit chat chatteroo with my friend Harriet Turk. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, the lovely Harriet Turk, who is, uh, has been speaking for quite a while. How long have you been speaking? <laughs> 24 years. 24 years? That's how old I am. What are the odds? Not even close. So. <laughs> uh, I have known Harriet for many years, and uh, she's become a, a wonderful, a wonderful friend. is an amazing speaker and just all around cool cat. So, uh, how are you today? I am good. It brings know. my my heart great joy to uh, anytime I get to hang out with you and talk to you and, and harass you. It's one of my <laughs> things I enjoy most in my life. I know because you think because I'm so much older than you that you look so much younger, but people always think that you're older than me. So, haha. This is not true at all. <laughs> we have spoke at many conferences together and they're like, oh, that's, is this your son? Oh, oh that's so <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, first of all, why don't you give us kind of a snapshot and overview of your business, what you, what kind of stuff you speak at, how often you're speaking, what does business look like for you today? Okay. Well, I started speaking 24 years ago, basically because I was a youth programs coordinator for the governor's office of highway safety in Mississippi, I put on conferences anywhere from 25 kids to 6,000 kids. And I hired speakers. I hired big name speakers. We had first rate conferences and I never could find women. And people would always ask me, you know, why can't you have women on your program too? And I was like, if you can find me a woman speaker, then I'll hire her. And I had two in the nine, 10 years I did this job, but I was always the MC for the conferences and the speakers I would hire would say, you need to be doing this. And I was doing it around the state of Mississippi, but I'd never thought about being a speaker professionally. And after a while, 
people started sending me requests to speak at their conferences and their programs. And so I got more confidence. And then one speaker said, send me some videos and I'll, I'll help you. And after the first video, he crucified me. And then after, and I, I'll never forget, he said, don't quit your day job. And Which then, is what you want to hear. That's good for the self-esteem. <laughs> but every single thing that he said was very constructive. And so I worked really hard on my program. And after the third video, he said, you're ready and I'll help you. And so I just started speaking and I did quit my day job then. But I also had some contracts with, at that time, Students Against Driving Drunk, which is now Students Against Destructive Decisions. I had a contract with them to write curriculums and do some programs in National Safety Council. So I had still a foundation and also decided to be a flight attendant at that time. So I could still speak, still have a lot of flexibility and build my speaking business. And then when it got to the point where I really couldn't go back and forth anymore, I just decided I had to choose and I was a full-time speaker and I've one other time, I took a little dip and I became a pharmaceutical sales rep, but I still spoke during that time as well. And so the majority of the time I speak for youth, education, teachers, but I have branched out a little bit and I do speak for sales managers and um, women and just, you know, <laughs> if you need someone to speak on the topics of which I think I have earned the right to speak about, then I will speak for you. <laughs> You'll speak if you pay me and I can I can continue <laughs> to speak and run my mouth and I'm, I'm interested. Hey, I'm curious, whenever you mentioned that when you were first getting started, you, you had those three videos, what improved or what changed along the way before you had someone who would say, hey, like, I, I think you could actually do this now. Well, I remember one thing was that he kept saying, you're telling me a lot of stuff and you're you're telling me a lot in your stories, but you're not taking me there. And so I really learned how to tell a story in terms of if someone was closing their eyes, could they feel like they were in the moment with me? And so I really got descriptive with my stories. That was one thing. And then I did a lot of self-deprecating, I figured out, and I still do it today, but I do it in a much different way. Like one of the things that, that he just blasted me on was he said, you know, in high school, I was nominated for this. I was nominated for this, I was not, but I didn't win anything. And he was like, good grief. How many people wish that they were nominated for all those things? And you're acting like that was a terrible thing that you didn't win. And it's like, how many times do we really have successes in our own life, but we don't look at it as a success? Mm -hmm. And so those are some things that really helped me in shaping my stories. And one of the things he said, too, is you have so many points that people are not going to have a clue of if someone said, what did Harriet speak about today? They're going to just be going blah, 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 blah. But there's no real point to your presentation. How do you like, when, especially when you're getting started, how do you kind of figure out what needs to go in there and what doesn't? Because I think that's the case for a lot of us of, I know I've got a, you know, a 30 minute or 60 minute slot and I've got all this that I want to say and I have no idea what should go in there and what shouldn't. And I feel like this is my one chance, one opportunity. So how do you, like, how do you trim just knowing what, what should be there and what shouldn't? Well, I think the very first thing you have to figure out is what do you want your audience to do once they leave your program? Do you want them to have a call to action? Do you want them to feel differently? Do you want them to, you know, know some information? I mean, what do you want your audience to do once they hear you? Because 
you just don't want them to be entertained. I mean, even if you're a comedian, you want them to feel something when they walk out of your program. And when they talk to their friends, you want them to say, oh, my gosh, I heard the best speaker and here's why. And when you can figure out what points you want or what you want your audience to say about you, then you can figure out your points. And the whole thing about three to five points is all your audience can handle. That's so true. And you have to figure out, are you an expert in something? Are you a storyteller or, you know, has something happened to you? You know, like I've never been in a fire and I've never been Miss America. So I can't have a celebrity status. So I'm more of a storyteller. And in some realms, I'm an expert. So you got to figure out what kind of speaker are you so that an audience or, or a meeting planner knows who they're hiring. Right. One of the things that you, I want to go back to that you mentioned before was that when you were just getting started, that you were just having trouble finding female speakers. So how do you feel like, and again, this was several years ago, so do you feel like, I guess, give us like the, your view as a female speaker. What is the market like today for female speakers? Is there, is there more of them? Is there less of them? Is there more opportunities, less of them? Give me your perspective. <laughs> it's still the same. You can't find a female speaker. There's, I can count five or six on, you know, well, I guess that would be two hands if I said six, but you know, I, there's hardly any. And I think it's because people have big dreams and they want to be speakers. And then once they get in this business, they realize it is so tough. And like you and I can be on a program together and people think no, nothing about it. But like one of my friends, T street, well, T and I can't be on the closing speaker and the opening speaker without a meeting planner saying, oh, well, we can't have two females as our speakers, but nobody would think anything about having two guys as an opening and a closing speaker. Yeah, yeah. But then people are always saying, oh, do you know any other females? So it's just a crazy system. How much of it do you think is the system versus how much do you think is the, what you mentioned earlier, it's just freaking hard? I think it's both. I mean, I know that it is so tough being a female speaker and then trying to have a life where you are creating a home and you want to be a mom. And, you know, I started off when I was 25, six years old where I wasn't married, you know, didn't even think about kids and that kind of stuff. So I have, you know, gone the whole gamut of life and, I didn't think anything about it. I built my business just zooming all over the country and the world, and I didn't think anything about it. And then now it's just like, oh, I would build my business so differently. What would you do differently? I would build my business within probably a 100-mile radius or at least a three-state radius so that I wouldn't have to be gone for my kid as much as I am. But, you know, I think it's just different. And then people don't think that females can command – the stage as well as a, as a male. I think sometimes I get some high schools because they know that I have a background in criminal justice and they go, Oh, well, we know you can handle our kids. You know, some females can. You're tough. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) then they see me, you know, sometimes they're like, Oh, you don't look very tough. (laughs) Cause I ain't. Um, That's true. You don't look tough. (laughs) I know I don't. (laughs) But behind that, there's this, this mama hen that will destroy you. Exactly. You know that for sure. If I think somebody is hurting one of my friends, it's like I rise up. (laughs) It's intimidating and scary. So, okay. So you mentioned that you would build your business totally differently just so you could 
you could stay closer to home. Like, talk us or is that even uh, like I'm looking at it also from the perspective of going like, is that realistic? Do you think? Do you think you could get enough business just within a hundred mile or three state radius? Well, I know a guy friend who did that. He built his business that way, and now that his kids are grown, he is traveling across the country. So the answer is yes. But you really have to be intentional with how you want to build your business and who you want to speak for. So if you want to be on main stages and national conferences and, you know, really have a big name within a certain market, then absolutely not. But if you want to be a professional speaker and you want to truly have a business where you are making money as a speaker and you're providing a service and you don't care if people don't necessarily know your name, then yeah, you can do it. Do you think it's possible to, like when you're starting off, I guess put it this way, like even when you just mentioned, you know, you've been speaking for 24 years and even today there's still times where you're just like, I'm, you know, I'm still just looking for a booking, you know, in some cases of what we're looking for. So it's even harder when you're getting started of trying to be choosy. So how have you balanced that over time of, I want to do this gig and I want to build this business, but I'm also trying to be at home and raise a child and like have a life beyond the stage and beyond airplane. So how have you tried to balance that? I'm not really sure that I have balanced. My marriage had been very tumultuous and I was always the breadwinner. And so I had to take whatever I could have within reason to survive financially. And there were lots of tough times. And then since I've gotten a divorce, I mean, it's, it's even harder. So there's a lot of times when there is no balance, but there's a lot of times when there, there can be, or like my child goes on trips with me. Although now that he's 15, he doesn't want to go on trips with me during the school year. I mean, he just actually told me, you know, next year, you're not taking me on any trips during school because I had to take exams because of you, because I took him out to Las Vegas. And I mean, what kid complains about Las Vegas? Well, the kid who has to take exams because he got an unexcused absence. So there's a lot where a lot of times when you cannot balance your life and that's just the way it is because of conferences. But I'm home virtually the whole month of December and January, which also teaches you how to balance your money and understand feast or famine. Right. It's a different kind of business and you just really have to to figure out if you want this kind of life then you you know there are some months when I know I'm going to be busy and then there's other months when I just hope that I have a booking but I know that certain months are going to carry me. Right. Like, how often do you feel guilt whenever you, like, as a mom, like, how often do you feel guilt when you're gone? And what, like, what have you figured out over over the years of just balancing, like, yes, I am trying to build this business. And yes, this is what provides for my son and I. But at the same time, I also, I, I don't want to be gone constantly. And to the point that, yes, I've built a great life for, for my son and I, but he doesn't see me and doesn't have a relationship with me. So how have you balance that over over time? Well, I never will speak the first week of his school mm-hmm. when he goes back to school. I never will do that. And I've actually had several meeting planners who totally respect that and then have either shifted their days or have hired me for another conference simply because they 
thought that that was awesome <laughs> that I wouldn't come his first week of school. Or, I mean, there are a lot of sacrifices that I've made. His rugby tournament was, you know, in April and I was at the rugby tournament as long as I could be until I had to go on a flight to Montana. I mean, I felt so guilty, but at least I showed up. And there have been so times, I mean, sometimes when I have been so incredibly tired, but I have had to be present in his life so he knows I'm there. But there have also been times when he's been so incredibly mad at me because I couldn't be at something. I think really there's a couple other speakers that are in my shoes that we can bounce things off ever or help each other during those times because there are times when it's tough. When he was little, it was harder on me. Now that he's older, it's harder on him. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's just it's just I, tough. I think part of it helps in that he's grown up with it, so he doesn't necessarily know anything different. But at yeah. the same time, like I know that that our girls are in the same situation. You know, I've got I've got three daughters, and so when uh, early on when I was gone, it was harder on me. But as you know, our oldest is nine now and so there are 10 now my bad and so there are times when I would be gone and and she would be she would be crying you know and she would be having a tough time and it's just like it just eats you alive and so one of the things I always try to remember is just the, the bigger picture of over the course of a year I think sometimes there's this misconception that oh you're a speaker you're just gone constantly right and yes we're gone more than the average human being but at the same time like you mentioned like you'll be home the entire month of December like there's not really any other jobs where it's like I have the entire month off and I'll have that whole time to, you know, to spend with my, you know, my, my kids versus if I had like a, a nine to five office gig Monday to Friday. I, I've always I don't know. You tell me. I've always thought that if if we had normal like nine to five office gigs, I think I'm still home more as a speaker than if I had that kind of gig. Absolutely. When I took the dip, when I was going through really tough personal marriage junk in 2007 and I took the pharmaceutical sales rep job. Oh my goodness. I was working all the time. <laughs> I was like, ah, I mean, I couldn't be home to meet Andrew when he got off the bus. And, you know, I, I was always used to doing that. And, you know, I was at work and I, I felt like I was missing more because I couldn't take time off to go eat lunch with him at school or I couldn't pop in for the holiday party and things like that. And, and another thing I remember during my marriage, there was one time that I learned a valuable lesson and it was during a time when it was a very busy season for me. And I was home on a Wednesday and my husband was at work and I was like, but I'm home. It's Wednesday and I'm only home Wednesday and Thursday. And he was like, okay. And I'm like, why aren't you spending time with me? And he was like, because it's Wednesday people work on Wednesday. I'm sorry that you're not home on the weekends and you haven't been for the last two months, but I work on Wednesday. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm expecting special treatment because I'm home on Wednesday and Thursday, but really and truly he has to work too. Yeah. And so just because I'm in town, I can't demand that he spend time with me. So that, you know, that's another thing you got to really figure out what, is like, your relationship. You, well, you, let's talk about that for a second. Cause you've been doing this for a while. So you and I have, have seen a lot of peers and other speakers and friends and just people we've seen from afar who have had a really, really difficult time making their, their marriage or their relationship work. So yeah. 
I don't know, just in the years of, of seeing those things, some of them work and some of them not work, what are some observations that just things that you've noticed about those that make it and those that don't? Um, there are a couple of things for sure. I have found that there's so many men, of course, in this business and their wives have worked for them and their wives' lives revolve around their, their um, husband, who is the speaker. And I've always said to younger speakers who talk to me now is, you know, make sure your wife has her own life. Because what happens is that as the kids get older, then the wife is like, wait a minute, where's my life? I don't even have a life. So I think that's one thing. When husbands come home or when wives come home, they have to realize that even though you've been eating out every day, your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend could have been at home every single day and she deserves a night out. So you sacrifice, even though you want to stay home and you go out anyway, and you really have to cultivate the relationship because like, I know for me, a lot of times I would come in and I would want to look at the mail, a week's worth of mail and um, my husband was like, hello. And I'm like, I know I just need you know, I just need an hour to myself once I first walk in. And after a while, we, we both understood that, you know, because it, it's just like any parent who comes in from work and the, everybody is like pouncing on them. Well, they need a little bit of space. Well, imagine if I've been gone for 10 days and then I come in and everybody's pouncing on me. Well, the difference in a woman coming home is I've got laundry. I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to do all this stuff that wasn't done. My house is a wreck. It looks like a bachelor pad, you know, and so it's just all kinds of stuff. But the the relationships truly have to be cultivated. And, and I don't, I think sometimes people forget that. And that's been the downside that I've seen with a lot of marriages. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is the... I guess the reality, like there are, again, a lot of peers that we know who've had really, really rough relationships or they are amazing on stage, but just this shell of a human being off stage. Yeah. And they're well, one thing, too, is like I really tried very hard for my husband to meet all of my speaker friends because I was constantly talking about, well, I was with Grant. I was with Micah. I was with, you know, Scott. I was with Patrick. And after a while you know, he's like, well, who is Bob? Well, who is this? And it's like, oh, wow, I get it. Because if he was traveling nonstop and talking about Sarah or, you know, Kate, or I'd be like, who is she? (laughs) You know? And so I really tried hard to take him on trips and, and help him meet people too. So how often do you think whenever you are, um, either, like pitching for clients and you're like for potential bookings or even you're at an event and people find out you're a mom with a teenage son back home are uh, kind of either look down on you or I don't know, like what kind of, do you get much of that? Oh my goodness. Yes. It drives me insane because people will put on their very sad face and very concerned for me and then say, what happens to your son when you're gone? I mean, who stays with your son? What happens to your son when you're gone? And I'm like, oh, I believe in resiliency skills and he just stays by himself. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like, what do you think happens? He stays with his dad. And 
it's just so annoying because I don't see them do that to you when we're together. You know, it's, I don't know. But I, I'd posed that one time on Facebook because it really annoyed me. And I did have some single dads who said it happens to them too. So I think it's just people are worried about your kids. Do you think there's times that you ever don't get bookings because of that? I almost didn't get an eight-day booking in New Mexico because the meeting planner was very worried about my child um, with me being gone for that length of time. And I had I thought, if I don't get this booking, my child won't eat for the month. <laughs> and she better hire me. And I really had to do a big sales job on her that it was fine. It was you know, this is something he lives with. It was only for a week and it was, you know, towards the end of the year and she eventually hired me. But, you know, I mean, I understand her concern. And at the same time, that's my job is to make sure that my kid's okay. So have you ever, like, have you ever snapped and just said like, mind your own freaking business. I'm, I can be a good mom and be a speaker as well. And I've got it together and like, just back off me. I have, but that was with my own mother. (laughs) 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 that's awesome so you've been doing this for 24 years obviously you've seen a lot of speakers come and go and a lot of there's always a a, there's a lot of people who come in going like oh I could do this and I've got the world needs to hear my story and I saw you speak when I could do that Uh, but like you mentioned it is hard it is a difficult business so what do you think has helped you to last 24 years and to, to make this work absolutely without a doubt it's the relationships that I've built I couldn't be in this business now if it hadn't been for people referring me. I got very sad uh, about a month ago. I was talking to a brand new youth speaker. He has been in the corporate world for a long time and started branching into the youth market, which is kind of opposite. But as we were talking, he said, you know, you're just so different because youth speakers, they just undercut each other and they're so competitive and they don't help each other. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. You've just met the wrong ones. Because I could not have made it without my relationships. I have never sent out a marketing campaign, whether it's email or a postcard. I've never done that. My business is built on relationships and networking with speakers. And there's several reasons why. One, I miss congeniality. That's a fact. But two is people do not remember my name. Even though my name is Harriet, people do not remember it. And what they do remember are my stories. And so if, if I'm there this year and you follow me next year and you say, so who was your speaker last year? And they go, God, I can't remember her name, but she did Spider-Man. Spider-Man, makeup. Yeah, you, and me, you immediately go, oh, that was Harriet Turk. Or if you follow me somewhere else and, and they start saying, oh, my gosh, the speaker we had last year, she had all of us doing This Ain't Your Dream. You go, oh, Harriet, she's a friend of mine. <laughs> Because you know my, my business, same thing. If people start saying, we had this guy, no excuses, you know, he did Chuck Norris. I'll be like, oh, Grant Baldwin, he's my friend. And then they'll say, so who do you recommend for next year? Right. And that is what keeps my business going. I even have some meeting planners who call me and say, okay, who should we hire for next year? Or they call me and say, hey, have you ever heard of this guy? What do you think about him? And... So <laughs> it's very networked, even right. though people don't realize it. So, well, I mean, even to the point that I know we referred something to you a couple of days ago. Did you get that by chance? I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Well, I know. <laughs> I, I know. I gave a 
Lisa on our team, your, your name. So I know she, because it's the same type of thing. We had a client who said, hey, you know, we worked with Grant a couple of years ago, really liked it. We want to have him back at some point, but we want to wait a couple of years. You know, who else do you recommend? And I said, hey, give, give her Harriet's name. Because again, those friends and those relationships, even though in that situation with that client, we did a great job. And yes, they want to hire us again, but they're not going to hire us for a couple of years. So they want someone else in the meantime. So building those relationships. So if I'm listening to this, I'm going, okay, like I get that. And I get that, you know, speakers get other speakers business. But at the same time, I could also be uh, view it from the, the perspective of like, well, you've been doing it for 24 years. So of course, you've got these amazing relationships. So how do you like when you were getting started and all these new speakers that are out to you that would say, crap, I would love to be in that circle where they're referring business. How do you get to that point and build that network early on? I sought them out. I still do. I mean, the way we've, we're friends, I, I heard, started hearing your name. And so I called you and just said, hey, I've been hearing your name a lot. So tell me about yourself. I did that in the very beginning. I wanted to know who was going to be in my circle, who was my I don't want to say competitor. I mean, you're my competitor. And at the same time, you're my colleague. Right. And I think new speakers need to reach out and not be asking for all this advice, but just say, what do I need to learn about this business? What If you could tell me three things to make my business grow, what could it be? And then, you know, thank you so much and follow up with a thank you and and be in the I want the more mature speaker's ear of, oh, yeah, I remember that, that guy. He followed up with a thank you or those kind of things really do matter. Right. And I am a true believer in just speaking where you can speak. And if it's a workshop, speak there because then you'll be connected to advisors and connected to other speakers and I don't know. I just keep saying networking, but that's my big deal is networking and building those relationships. You mentioned even how you and I first got connected of, you know, you reaching out just because I was busting my butt trying to do something to be, I don't know, I don't want to say like be worth paying attention to, but like getting your name out there to the point that that other speakers do hear about you. And that's true where there are a lot of times where you start hearing certain people's names over and over and over. And it's the type of thing where, yes, I want to get to know that person. Not again, not as a, a competitor, but again, because there's enough business to go around for everyone. We can all help Absolutely. each other out. And so being able just to figure out like just building those relationships and connecting with those other people really does. I would totally echo. I, I mean, you and I have spoke at several conferences together over the years. I know and I know that we've also referred business to each other and recommended each other. And so sometimes it is, like you said, kind of that direct referral of, I can't do it, but you know, go talk to my friend Harriet. And there's other times, like you said, we build relationships with clients and they just say, hey, I just heard about Grant. Do you know Grant? Do you know anything about Grant? Right. And if you've had a negative experience or you know, whatever type of experience that's going to, you can say like, Hey, I, you know, I haven't seen him speak, but he, I had one interaction with him and he was a jerk or whatever, you know? So those type of things like matter because clients really do well, ask other speakers for those recommendations. Absolutely. And here's a whole nother flip side of that. I had a instance where I had to cancel. I could not do the program and I asked a speaker to, to fill in for me, and he did, and he did a terrible job. And this was a brand new client I had never worked for before, but I knew had a stellar reputation. And I did not follow up with her to see how the program was. It was, it all happened very quickly. I got a 
phone call from another speaker that I did not know very well at all who said, I think you need to know about this. He had a great relationship with that client and he said, she is incredibly upset, not with you, but with the person that you recommended. She understood why you had to cancel. So, but this speaker did a terrible job and I just felt like you needed to know about that. And I said, why did you call me? Cause you don't even really know me. And he said, we were on a program together with six other speakers. It was a showcase, six other speakers. And you were the only one who came over to find me and introduce yourself to me. And that always made an impact on me. Mm. And now we're really good friends. And then I called that client and I was like, I am so sorry. I had no idea. What can I do? And she just kept saying, don't worry about it. And I was like, no, I'm going to come for free for you, for anything that you need. And so I did her next conference for free, and she's hired me repeatedly after that. So if I didn't have that tiny relationship with that other speaker, I would never have known that this client was so upset and unhappy. Well, it speaks to also not only the building the network with other speakers, but also building the network with existing clients. And like your situation there that you came back kind of restored the relationship with that client and that that brought you business for years to come. And I, I know, you know, even in our friendship, I know that you, there are several clients that we have worked with that you've gone on vacations with recently and that you hang <laughs> like in your free time you hang out with, you know, and like those, again, those relationships matter. And it's not from a, you don't go on those trips or go on those vacations with them to, okay, this is going to help my business. You do it because like, no. this is a relationship business and people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so, yes, it is a client hiring a speaker and it's this business transaction. But at the same time, it's also, it's this human transaction, you know, just like that's a lot of what our conversation has been thus far is that, yes, we are speakers. Yes, we're entrepreneurs. But we're also like, when you go home, you're a mom to Andrew, who if people don't follow you on Facebook, they need to just for the the text (laughs) conversations you have with your son is top notch. When I go home, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I've got three girls. And so just realizing, yes, we are speakers, but we're also human beings who have connections and friendships with other human beings. Well, yeah. And the thing that people don't understand is that a meeting planner in Wisconsin is also connected to the meeting planner in Oregon. And so what you do in Wisconsin will affect whether you're going to get hired in Oregon. And a lot of new speakers don't understand that. These meeting planners talk. And if, if they think, well, you know, I just bombed here, no big deal. There's so, many, there's so much other business. You're absolutely right. Or you could not work in that organization ever again. Right. And I've seen that happen. Right. And I've worked so. with both those meeting planners in Oregon and Wisconsin. <laughs> and they're yeah. both, both awesome ladies that you take vacations with. I do. And that only happened because I worked with them and we developed those relationships. You know, there's other people that I go in and I work with, I work with for the hour and I've never talked to again. So that's also the scary part about this business is sometimes you really connect with people and other times you're walking around going, did they like me? I don't know. I, do people like me? Speakers were all incredibly uh, insecure. That's why this business keeps you humble. Yeah. Very much so. Hey, let's wrap up with this. Obviously, you do a lot of speaking, but you also you do some speaker coaching. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Grant. What do you What do you do? Give us a, a snapshot on that. 
people have asked me for years to coach them and I was too busy speaking and didn't do it. And now I've started coaching and it, it's just an offshoot that I absolutely love. The, really the way I do it is I just have lots of conversations and then I'll stop and go, that's a story. And I really help people with story development. I help them get very clear with who they want to speak to. And I really help them a lot with openings and closings and filling in the space in between. Plus, help them take their keynote and then stories that may not work in the keynote, but help them develop workshops from there. Because a lot of times you're not going to get hired just for the keynote. You got to get you got to have some workshops as well. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching and if people are interested, they can go to the website, HarrietTurk.com or they can email me, Harriet at HarrietTurk.com and Harriet is with one T. So it is? that's that. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the end of Harriet and the start of Turk that throws you off with a double T. I know. So there's two T's total, but people always put two T's on Harriet, which throws everything off. This is so. true. All right, Miss Harriet, thanks for the time. We'll link up to the, your site and, and email in the show notes there and uh, hopefully uh, be able to send some some uh, people your way. And again, everyone, I would definitely encourage you to check with Harriet. If you're looking for a speaker coach, she really knows her stuff. She's an excellent speaker. And uh, hopefully, as you've got a sense today, an even better human being offstage and a person that I'm, I'm honored to, to be a friend with. So uh, Harriet, thanks for the time. Sure. Thanks, Grant. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat chatteroo with my friend Harriet Turk. Good stuff, huh? The girl knows what she's talking about. Hey, as a quick reminder here, again, we would love to have you uh, join us for one of our upcoming free workshops. You can go to freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. That is totally online, totally free. You can sit home in the comfort of your jammy jams and join us and uh, come hang out with us again over at freespeakerworkshop.com where we teach you all about how to find and book speaking engagements, who to reach out to, how much to charge, all of that stuff we're going to be covering and talking about. So we hope to see you there soon. That wraps up 80 what is this episode 82 yep we'll catch you next time my friend you're awesome